0: Hey, we're in this new series today called anxious for nothing anxious for nothing i remember it was several years ago i was sitting in a bath of epsom salts and i remember at this time i didn't have a word for it but now what i know was i was going through an anxiety attack i had no idea that's what was happening and as i was laying there in this tub lethargic there was my wife looking at me and there i thought she would give me comfort but she looked at me and said you need to figure this out because I'm not doing this anymore and walked out of the room Left me there in my lowest spot, just lying in a bath of Epsom salts, wondering like, what is going on with my body? See, this wasn't the first time that she had dealt with this with me before. As a matter of fact, it was just about a couple of years earlier than that. Uh, I went to the ER because there was something that I could not uh, figure out. I could not keep my body from moving. It just was moving on its own. And they, asked, they actually thought that I was having a stroke. I later found out I was having something called... Focal seizures, which are um, caused by stress and anxiety. Now, I am usually a a pretty highly stressed person. I can tend to stress other people out around me. I'm one of those people that uh, my mood affects others. And I I hate that about myself. I can't help it. I'm like, you have your own feelings. I'll live in my feelings. And why do my feelings affect everybody else? Uh, But that tends to be the kind of person that I am. And uh, obviously, when you live through your own stresses, your body changes as you get older and the way that my body handles it obviously isn't very good. All right. And uh, one thing that I've done personally that's helped me is uh, I take ashwagandha every day. You're like, what is pastor smoking? No, no ashwagandha is just a, it's a natural plant that helps with some of these things. But at the same time, I realize now that my body could not handle stress and anxiety. I could not function properly. It, it overwhelmed me. And, and now I look back and I understand what I was going through, but I didn't know what I was going through when I was going through it. It had never happened to me before. And what we want to do during this series is to say, hey, we all deal with anxiety and stresses, uh, many of us over different things, right? We all have different stuff that we go through and we all handle it differently. And usually the way most of us handle stress and anxiety is unhealthy. Most of us handle it in unhealthy ways and some people will turn to some type of substance or whatever to help cope with the issues. Some people will turn to medication, whatever. Some of you are in this room and like, you're like, you know, what, I don't remember the last time I worried about anything. You're just that person. You don't worry about anything. You're sure your spouse loves that in you, that quality where you worry about nothing in your life. And then there are others of you that worry is the only emotion that you feel, right? It's the only thing you feel. You're constantly worried about everything. And then most people are just in the middle. So how do we navigate anxiety in a way through the lens of scriptures. And so this morning, I wanna just ask you a few questions. If you're watching online, I'm gonna ask you a few questions um, in regards to stress and worry. All right, can any of you extend your life by worrying? How many of you said, you know what, Pastor Dan, like I added a solid one and a half years of my life just because I worry. It's honestly incredible. Worry has added years to my life, a fountain of youth. Worry, right? Uh, maybe ask yourself this, have you ever worried so much that has, that anxiety has taken a year or more off of your life? How many of you have been there? You're raising kids, especially like when you have your first kid and they're like toddlers are walking around, everything is a death object, right? Uh, how many of you by worrying has taken a year off of your life, right? Is there anything more valuable, more valuable to you than staying alive? Is there anything more valuable to you than staying alive? Right. last question is, will worrying help you achieve this value? If one of the most important values we have is staying alive, is worrying gonna help you achieve this value? Well, the answer is no. So let's pray and go home and that'll be the service. All right, you guys figured it out. You don't have to worry about anything today, right? No, it's so much more than that. There's a tension. And I pray that by the end of this series, you're gonna learn how to navigate this tension in your own life through the lens of what the Bible teaches, how we can do it. So I wanna just say a couple of things right off the bat, because we have a lot of people at Cornerstone that are just coming to check us out, check out Faith Again. You're new to church. You didn't grow up in church, whatever. And it's super cliche just to say like, cast your cares on Jesus. But what's like the real practical matter? How do we really go through it? And I understand that some of you are in a really bad, situation. Your marriage this morning is not like, hey, I don't know if it's going to make it. It's like, we're probably not going to make the end of this week right? Maybe you're dealing with something with your children and it's a high pressure situation right now. You're facing some type of worry or something within your own family. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. uh, Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. There's something going on with your financial situation right now. And it's a high pressure situation right now. Um, There's some of you that are going through issues at your workplace. You don't know if you're going to have a job. You don't know if they're going to let you go on this next uh, next round of things that are going on. And it feels like you're drowning and there's this Pressure on you. I want you to understand that just because you give a situation to God doesn't mean that it's going to be okay. I think you have to hear this because too often in Christian circles we like to say God is going to take your your pain and He's going to turn it into a blessing. That's not true. Scripture is filled with stories and people who went through hard problems and issues and it never got better. Talk about the people in the New Testament who like God, I'm serving you and then they were killed for their faith, didn't their issue didn't get better, it got worse. So I want you to understand that just because you give a situation to God doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. But at the same time, it doesn't mean you have to freak out either. There's a tension. How do we navigate this tension in a godly way? See, Jesus, he talked about anxiety and worry because it's a human problem. Jesus, as a human and fully God, understood that this is a problem. This is an issue. So how can I help people with worry? So what he understood was kind of this thought that we want to kick off today, that the thing that you are most devoted to will determine what you worry about the most. What's the thing that you are most devoted to? Because that will be the thing that you worry about the most. Listen, I care for you as your pastor. Like, I care for you. The people that attend Cornerstone, like, I care for each and every one of you. Some of you I get to know uh, better. Some of you are just checking things out. And, and I pray that, you know, I'll, we'll get to connect. I'll know each and every one of you better. I care about you. I don't carry your worry for you. I can't. I literally can't carry or shoulder your worry for you. And there are many of you in our church like, golly, I can't tell you over the past uh, eight years, how much love has been shown to myself and my family. And you care about me, but you can't carry my worry for me. We each have to carry our own. And so most of us are gonna deal with the issues of family and finance. As a matter of fact, in September, we got a couple of series that we're going to help specifically in these areas in your life, because I believe that family, like relationships and finance are the two areas where most people struggle, and we want to help you with that, and I believe this fall is going to be powerful for your life. As a matter of fact, all of our small groups that we're doing are centered around these two ideas. I highly encourage you to show up tonight to the small group open house. It's a come and go as you please. There's going to be Italian soda bar there. It's going to be a lot of fun connecting with people, but the small groups are designed with these two thoughts in mind. So if we can shift our devotion, we will change our worry. Like if we can learn to shift our devotion, we can change our worry. So Jesus gave one of the most famous messages ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, it's a couple of chapters long in the book of Matthew. And Jesus talks about worry. And ironically, to start the conversation about worry, Jesus talks about money. Jesus talks about money. And actually the Bible talks about money more than uh, almost any other subject in the Bible. Now, um, the last statistic I saw is that 77% of Americans worry about their personal finances or the economy. Guys, why are we freaking out? Gas is down to like 350 now, right? Shouldn't we be happy? You know what I'm saying? Like gas is so much cheaper these days. Remember when we used to freak out, right? Like 350, we're living it up. You know what I mean? I can eat at McDonald's now, right? It's kind of a crazy thing. So we worry about this. 77% of you, the majority of people in this room, these are the two things if we boil it down to, we worry about this sort of stuff. Hey, I'm right there with you. So Jesus, he shares this in Matthew. And I think this is really powerful when we think about it because he's gonna talk about money first and then he's gonna tie it in to worry. So listen in Matthew chapter six, he says, no one can serve two masters. This is true. He says, you will hate the one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The King James version says mammon. All right, remember that, like, and mammon. Like, remember anyone grew up in an old school church, you like, it's mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. And that's just a Greek word to say stuff. You can't live for God and live for your stuff, all right? And that's not the point of this message today. We're gonna talk about that at another time. But that's the tension. Because we have stuff that we have to pay for, we tend to worry about those things. Because if you don't pay your mortgage, someone called the banker is gonna eventually come and get it, Right. If you don't pay your car, you end up on a TV show where a lady's gonna come jack your car back from you, right? Like we have a tension to pay off the things that we have, but God says, or Jesus says, you can't do both. You can't live for God and live for your stuff. You're gonna have to make a choice in what you live for. There's this tension. So listen to what he starts in verse 25. So he ties off there, he starts it off, money and God, you can't do both. There's two masters. You have to choose what you wanna serve. But then listen to verse 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Don't worry about everyday stuff. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Now, in this society, it was very different, all right? You have to understand, again, Jesus was speaking to a culture that was very different than our American culture today. So we always got to go back into the context. In their culture, most people worried about what are they going to eat today, it wasn't like they had a grocery store. It wasn't like they had refrigerators like we do, right? It's not like they're freaking out about their Samsung ice maker not working. Like they didn't even have ice. You know what I mean? Like they, they packaged their stuff with salt to preserve it. They didn't have the, the things or the resources that we have today. So it's very much like hand to mouth type of culture. Like, what am I gonna eat today? I don't catch fish today. My family doesn't eat tonight. So how do we worry? And Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah, it was like, but Jesus, you don't understand. Like we have to buy clothes and clothing was expensive. And, and for those of you with kids, you know, it's like, didn't I just buy you new clothes, right? They outgrow them pretty quickly. And you're like, why are you going through these things like so quickly? And it was constantly expensive and they were trying to figure things out and they were making stuff on their own. It was very much very difficult in their culture and society to just really get ahead. It was truly the haves and the have nots. You either had it or you didn't and the people that didn't were struggling and that's who Jesus is talking to. So if Jesus were to share this message with us today, let's say Jesus never came and he shows up, he's the Messiah and he's just preaching and he's sharing these thoughts to us. Jesus would say this, hey, don't worry about your retirement. Don't worry about if your kids get into the right college. Don't worry about if you're gonna stay single the rest of your life. Don't worry about if things are gonna be okay. Don't worry about that estranged child. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Too often you're spending too much time worrying about it. Now, for us to hear that even right now, some of us are going, this pastor's an idiot. This is why we don't come to church. Do you hear that? Like, Who would say that? How can you not worry? about those things that we just talked about. And that's just some of them. You fill in the blank with the things that maybe you worry about. And there's a difference, right? Because the things that we worry about have an uncertainty attached to them. Some of the things you're worrying about, it don't matter what you do. It's just is gonna be what it is. It will work out the way it needs to work out. And sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it won't go your way. And a lot of times it's gonna go away that you didn't think it was gonna go because you have no control over the situation. That is the uncertainty. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. It's super easy to say, super Christian to say, hey, you're freaking out, don't worry, be happy. Anyone, come on now, you know, you know sometimes i will be throwing some rap out there, but we'll trying to hook some of y'all up, right? He said, hey, don't worry about it. Now, listen, as he goes on in verse 25, he says, isn't life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothing? So what Jesus is saying is, hey, not that these things are unimportant. Obviously it's important. The way that we take care of ourselves is important. The way we provide for our families is important. The relationships that we have in life are important. Setting ourselves up for the future, those things are all important. But what he's really asking is, is this your life? Like how many of us define our life by our 401k? (laughs) like, no, not right now, not this year, not this year, not with the losses this year, right? How many of us define our life by the school that our kids get into? How many of us define our life, whether we get married or remarried? How many of us define our life by that? And what Jesus is trying to do is pull the rug out from under us to say, are these things equivalent to life? Like, is this stuff at the same level as worrying about your life? Listen to what happens at the end of verse, or here in verse 26. Jesus says this, look at the birds. Look at the birds. What a w- if you were listening to this message, right? And I was like, hey guys, you're going on through these issues. Your life is falling apart. What I want you to do is go check out some birds. All right. Go outside. We live in Alabama. Hunters. You got duck season coming up. Go look at the birds. Your, your, your wife is right? like, I tell him to stop looking at birds, pastor. He's looking at birds too much. Right? Go look at birds. Dove hunting is coming up. Anyone out there? Like, look at the birds. Jesus is telling everyone to go bird watching. Right? He's like, hey, why don't you get the little book? Like, what is he talking about here? Look at the birds. And it seems honestly very insensitive, doesn't it? Hey, you're struggling. You have this issue. You have this tension. Now I want you to go out in nature and check out some birds. And Jesus is gonna do something here because he understands that our devotion determines our emotion. He knows that things that our heart is fixated towards determines the way that our lives are expressed. And so he says, hey, check out the birds. Listen, it's verse 26 continues, it says, birds, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Birds don't think, there's no agenda. It's not like birds every year are like, hey, anyone find it ironic that there is this field filled with corn. And every year when we show up, guys shoot us and we die and we come back, right? maybe we shouldn't come back, right? That that birds don't do that. No bird understands there is no agenda for a bird. A bird does what it wants. If a bird wants to build a nest, they're gonna build a nest. I mean, we had nests all over our house this year, like all over our property and our kids were finding them. Like, you know why we don't have baby birds? Because you keep touching the nests, right? You can't touch the nests. So we're Asian. We eat them, the eggs. You know what I mean? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't. That's I've never eaten a robin's eggs knowingly. You know what I mean? Like knowingly, I've never done that, right? Birds just fly and go whenever they want, however they want. There's no agenda then like, it's like they wake up in the morning, hey honey, what are you gonna do? I don't know, I'm gonna fly around, scout, pick a couple worms, come back, shove it down our kid's throat. Like, you know, that's probably what I'll do today. You know, uh, ruffle my feathers, you know. Like, what, birds have no agenda. And that's what Jesus is saying. he's saying, and now God takes care of the birds. Now, this is really important because I, I know it sounds so childish as we're talking about birds here in church and like, listen, you know, I already went through science in high school. I'm you know, All these back to school pictures, the one thing I miss, science, right? Like now you're talking about birds, oncology, pastor. What is this? Or is it ornithology? Not oncology. That's like something. Ornithology, you know what I'm talking about. You guys are smarter than me, all right? Listen to verse 26. The birds, they have no agenda. God takes care of them. Listen to what he says. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are. Now, the people listening who are just talking like, Jesus takes them on this roller coaster of a journey. He takes them on the, hey, you have a tension. How do you handle this tension? And he thinks he's gonna like drive home this point. He says, hey, check out the birds. It's like a squirrel. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, like, what is he talking about? And he gets you thinking about something completely different. Then Jesus comes back with the uppercut. Boom, aren't you? more valuable to God than the birds? Now, as you think about that, it's like, well, of course, humans as creation were far greater than any creation, which is why God created man last. Of all his creations, it was the only one made in his image. So of course, human beings, that's why there's so much value to life because our life is more valuable than any other creature in the world. See, if you believe in what our modern day science will tell us that we've just evolved, there's nothing special about human beings at all. We're just the highest up on the food chain, so we dominate, but that's not true. If you believe in a real God who really created, then you understand that we as creation are elevated above all and God has set us over all living creatures in the world. There's something special about human life. And that's what God is talking, that's what Jesus is saying. And so what he says is, hey, birds, they don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store in barns, God takes care of them. So what we're supposed to do as people is what Jesus is saying is, hey, you go out and plant, you go out and harvest, and you go out and store food. In other words, that means like, hey, you study hard, You go pursue the jobs. Hey, if you're single, go ask some people out on a date. Like you go do your part. You set the goals. You just do what you're supposed to do and let God handle everything else. Ask any farmer. The one thing he cannot control is the weather. All they can do is plant. All they can do is water. All they can do is take care of their garden as best as they can. Some use chemicals, some are GMO organic, all the blah, blah, blah stuff and they can't control anything else. And they anticipate a harvest. That part is out of their control. But no farmer says, you know what? Shoot, man, I'm just gonna, just see what happens this year, you know what I mean? Like I did last year, great crop, great crop. God's gonna do it again. I'll plant nothing, I'll water nothing. I don't know why I went like super redneck on this one either, I don't don't know where that one came from. I've planted nothing doing nothing and I'm just gonna trust God to handle it. That, that, that doesn't work in life. You have to do your part. And that's what Jesus is saying. You do your part and God cares about you. He's gonna do his, but he's not gonna do his. If you worry about it all the time, you're gonna to have to trust him. Listen to verse 27, Jesus asked him this, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? What does worry do? It gets you nowhere and honestly get you freaking, about, freaking out about things that may work out anyways. Some of us worry for nothing, right? We worry about things that may not even happen. You ever worry about like a scenario or a situation that doesn't even end up happening? You're like, man, I really wasted a lot of time and anxiety and ate a lot of chocolate chips because of that, right? Anyone ever do that? Like I just worried about nothing. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey, you go out and do your part, you plant, and you harvest and you store up your food and there's nothing else you can do except trust God. I love this kind of thought. I don't have to worry about tomorrow, but I can trust the one who holds tomorrow. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. You can trust the God who already lives in tomorrow, who already knows about tomorrow and already understands what's gonna happen tomorrow. God already knows, listen to verse 28. Jesus now goes on. He says, Why worry about your clothing? Now he uses a different analogy. Listen, he says, Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. So now Jesus goes from birds to plants. And he says, They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, who's the wisest king, wisest person to ever live, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. So he's saying, hey, look at these flowers. We're gonna talk about botany now, right? Botany's correct, isn't it? All right, someone tell me after service. These flowers are more beautiful than Solomon and all the wealth that he had, as best as he's ever dressed, does not compare to these flowers. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So think about that. He's saying, if God cares about flowers and the way that they look and their beauty, but yet a flower, if you've ever picked one, you know, like moms, I always love that. Like even like uh, our, our kids will do that. You know, I love seeing like our kids, we have, we live on nine acres, so there's flowers everywhere. I don't, I don't like to cut grass. And they'll pick a flower and they'll give it to my wife. I always think that's, just adore me you don't know, Like our kids do that. Now my daughter's doing that. She's bringing us flowers. But these little flowers, as soon as she picks them, they got like a 30 minute lifespan. They're gonna die, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. These flowers are beautiful. God takes care of them, but they literally get thrown in the fire tomorrow. They're, they're nothing. He says, don't you think God will take care of you? And that's where most of us stop. We know God holds tomorrow. For those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, we know that. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you might go, you know, this is why I freak out because I have all these things going on and I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. And this is where all the stress and anxiety and worries come in. This is where we feel like we need medication. This is where we feel like we need some sort of thing to help us cope I have this stuff going on. If I just eliminated stress, if I could just get rid of this thing, I, I'm just worrying about the worry that I have tomorrow. I don't know what's gonna happen. I see our savings account, it's going down. I don't know what we're gonna do. Everything is increasing in price. I don't know how we're gonna afford this. Our kids need this, this, and that. Like how are we supposed to go on? Our tension is here. We're fighting. We need to go on a date. We can't afford a date. What, what are we supposed to do? And this is where all the society lives. And there's all this self-help garbage that's out there. You just need to self-care yourself, like this garbage. If you're a self-care person, it's garbage, okay? I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, but I'm saying self-care and the way our society talks about it is garbage because if it's not centered on God's word, it's not ultimately good for you. Self-care is selfish because Jesus talks about dying to yourself. That's real Christianity. So yes, take care of yourself. Men, you see your wife struggling? She has been at home with your kids all day? Give her a moment. Let her take a bath by herself, right? (laughs) Oh man, I could tell I've grown in my faith because I really was gonna say something there. Um, And I didn't. You guys should just, like I am, (laughs) I'm really getting better. All right, I'm just letting you know. (laughs) When you see things are going on It doesn't mean like, hey, I need to like get rid of some of this stress or you carry a lot of pressure from work or maybe you're the boss, the CEO, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm carrying. And it doesn't mean you don't get rid of some of those things or like, hey, maybe you take a lap, walk around before you step into the house with all the stress. I'm not saying don't do the right things. Don't take care of yourself. What I'm saying is we have to center it on Jesus. Is our trust completely in God? And listen to how Jesus ends this verse because he says, hey, don't you think that God's gonna care about you? And we're like, yeah, we think that, but then we don't do anything about it. And then listen to what Jesus says. Why do you have so little faith? He just took people on this journey. Hey, don't you worry? Yeah, we're freaking out. We're winning. He goes, hey, look at the birds. You're like, what? what? Boom, God will take care of you. Whoa. Hey, don't you see the flowers? What are you talking about? Hey, don't you think I would take your Boom, why do you have so little faith? That's the question for all of us this morning. Why do we have so little faith? I like to say it like this. Some of us have more faith in our worry than we have faith in God. What is worrying gonna do for you? Some of us believe that worrying is gonna shape our future. You know, honestly, if I worry about this enough, my future is gonna change. Hey, you know, if I worry enough, I eventually arrive at hope, right? Hey, if I worry enough, I can just take my life where I need it to be. When you go through times of uncertainty, and many of you are there right now, in times of uncertainty, we need two things. First one is a certainty. We want certainty. What to expect when we're going through it, right? Honestly, just as a a society as a whole, the world as a whole, we're in a time that's very much uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't bank on anything. And so when you're going through times of anxiety and stress, you need certainty. Well, when you're going through anxiety and stress, there is no certainty. The second thing you need is clarity. How do I respond to this thing that isn't certain? What am I supposed to do? I need clarity. How do I respond? Worry accomplishes neither of those things. Worry doesn't help. So if you today are here as a follower of Jesus and you are absolutely confident that God can be trusted, if you're here today and you're saying pastor like, no, in the depths of my heart, even though I freak out, I do things I shouldn't, even though I respond to ways, in the depths of my heart, I know that God can be trusted and that God loves me. If you know that and you know that he's gonna take care of you, then what is worrying gonna do to shape your day? That's the difference between everyone else in society, in our world, and a true follower of Jesus. We know the same things, but our hope and trust is in a different source. That's why at Cornerstone we say, we wanna help you build your life on Jesus when you build your life on Jesus, he is the rock that we can build our life on. And trust me, there's gonna be times in your life where, you're, where your house gets demolished, but if you build it on the right foundation, you can rebuild again. So many of us build our life, our foundation on what Jesus calls sinking sand. Anything else outside of God And when you do that and your house gets demolished, you don't have a foundation to rebuild on. That's why people are searching for answers. That's why they're searching for stuff and things. They think people is gonna make them happy, enough money is gonna make them happy, the right job, the right career, whatever. Your kid's doing certain things, accomplishments, accolades. They're trying to fill a hole in your heart that only God can fill. The issue in your marriage isn't your spouse, the issue is you. And we've got to build our life on Jesus. The issue with your finances isn't that you don't make enough. The issue is you. We've got to build our finances following Jesus. We are the reason for the things that are going on. I know some of you are already saying that you don't understand what's happened to me. And I get that. There's some things that have been done to you, but your response from here can only happen from you. What is your source? So I want to ask you some key takeaways, some things I want to give you today. Some really practical stuff that I think you can take home and you can apply today. All right. First key takeaway is this. Worry is a waste of time. Time equals your life. So the question is don't waste your life by worrying about things that honestly you don't need to worry about anyways. Do what you can do. Plant, harvest, store in barns. Do the part that you're supposed to do. What is the thing you're supposed to do? If you're in school, hey, study hard, just do the best you can, you know, harvest and store in barns. You just follow after God the best that you can. You do what you're supposed to do. Third thing is this, what are you most devoted to? What is that thing you're most devoted to? Is that really life? Now we might say, well, this is where I put family. Like, well, that's the most important thing. Well, yeah, that's worth life, but it's not more important than God has to be first. So what's the thing that you are most devoted to? And then we just read a passage of scripture. We just stopped at verse 30. But I want you to read that section of scripture. Just read it five times this week. Maybe this will be the first time many of you read the Bible on your own. That would be an amazing way to start. Just reading what Jesus says about worry and allow it to truly sink in. See, I love what the apostle Paul writes, and we'll talk about him another time, but He writes in the book of Romans that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, many of us have experienced a life change of Jesus. You saw people who took their next steps in baptism today. Their life has already changed. Baptism doesn't do anything. It's just an outward expression of what God's already done inside of their life. But here's the difference. Our minds are still the same. And so we have to renew our minds, we transform it by allowing God's word to be absorbed in our life. That process is a fancy theological word called sanctification. God makes us more like him. The Holy Spirit who lives inside each and every believer will do his work, but he can't do his work if you don't do your part. So you get in his word, you start allowing that to just saturate and absorb in your life. You're thinking about it, you're driving to work, you're plugging it in, you're reading the verse, you got a little little notepad and you got it sitting there on your laptop or your whatever, and you see it, you got a reminder on your phone, the verse pops up and you allow it to saturate your thoughts and your mind. And then you really just follow after the Lord. God, help me not to worry. I got this thing coming up. You know what I'm dealing with. I need you to help me with my worry. Why am I having so little faith? Now, again, a reminder, that doesn't mean it's gonna work out the way that you want. Doesn't mean it's gonna work out the way that you want. And that's where many people will turn their back on God. I prayed, I asked, and he didn't do what I wanted him to do. God is not an ATM. We'll have a real relationship with him. But I can promise you, if God allowed something in your life the way that you didn't want it to be, I promise you this, he will use it later on if you let him. Promise you. I've experienced it numerous times in my own life. And I've been around countless, countless people who've done the same thing. God will never let anything negative happen in your life that he won't use later on. But he'll never use it later on if you constantly hold on to worry. Let's pray.